Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Hello, and welcome to This is Labor in California, a podcast from Ogletree Deacons, where we bring you a monthly overview of traditional labor issues in California, along with how employers may be handling those issues. I'm Maria Anastas, based in our Los Angeles office, and I'm joined by my colleague, Daniel Adlong, in Orange County. How are you, Daniel? Pretty good, Maria. How are you doing this morning? Okay. So today we want to talk about mandatory vaccination policies and and how those policies could play out at both a non-union workplace in terms of what issues might come up and also what are the issues employers need to be considering if they are unionized. So let's start with non-union workplace and kind of focus on what are some of the issues, labor issues specifically that could be implicated by an employer's decision to mandate that all employees be vaccinated in order to work there. When you look at the unorganized locations or the non-union locations, I think there's two primary components to consider. It's the protected concerted activity piece, and then you also have kind of like the organizing piece. We'll try to take them in order. What you need to consider is what happens if you have a mandatory vaccine policy and then a group of employees or even just two say, hey, we're not going to do this and we're refusing. And that's going to put businesses in a position where they're going to have to consider what they want to do regarding continuing the employment of the employees and how they want to handle it. And it really forces them to consider, is this concerted activity? And if it's a group, it absolutely is. Probably. And then if you have people refusing, you're also going to have to ask, is it protected? And when you're asking those things, you're going to have to give consideration to items such as, is there a mandate for the business? Are there like federal funds that are requiring it? Do we need to do it for any other sort of reason? Because when you give this consideration regarding the concerted and protected piece, it's really going to affect how you handle the employees. Now, some businesses might, for example, for political reasons or just amongst the community, not want to let folks go, or you might desire to let folks go. So it's something that you need to look into whether or not it's concerted and whether or not it's protected, because that's going to dictate your ability to separate employment or take a kind of maybe a labor mental gymnastics approach where you say, hey, we'll consider you on strike and this is something where you'll have the opportunity to return. But those are all just considerations and things that you need to think about when you're forced to deal with that. Before you move on to the organizing piece, I I think employers need to make those decisions now or start having those conversations now if they haven't already. You know, what if you've decided that you're going to impose a mandatory vaccine policy What is the company's response going to be if employees as a group, as you said, whether it's two or whether it's 50 or a thousand, as a group come together and tell the employer, we're not doing this? 
Um, and the reason as to why they're not going to do it is very important in terms of the legal analysis, right? So if they just simply say, we don't want to get vaccinated, then you really have to think through, is that protected concerted activity if they don't cite the specifics as to why? I think most employers or most employees rather who have indicated they don't want to be vaccinated have cited in many instances a safety concern, right? They're concerned about what the vaccine may do to their bodies. And so I think it most likely will be framed as a safety issue, in which case the employer has to evaluate, you know, is this protected concerted activity now that a group of our employees have indicated they don't want to get vaccinated for health reasons or safety reasons. And then what do we do? Um, are we going to threaten termination and take the risk of a meritorious unfair labor practice charge? Or there are all kinds of other considerations, maybe not wanting the negative publicity that could stem from taking that type of, of action. Maybe, you know, as an organization, you decide we're going to just let employees go on an unpaid leave of absence. Or as you said, Daniel, we treat them as economic strikers and they go on a, a preferential rehire list, but we replace them. So there, there are all sorts of decisions that, that need to be made you know, in advance of, of rolling out that, that type of policy so that, so that you're prepared. What was the second thing that you were going to? The second piece I think we need to consider is like the organizing component, Maria. And, oh. and all the things you said, like as I was listening to you, I think you hammered home a very important point is that these decisions probably need to be very deliberate and, and mm -hmm. given consideration before they're rolled out and have answers. Because if you do that, I think it'll help eliminate hopefully some of the refusals and it'll also help deal with the organizing piece. Because as I was listening to you, all I can think was you made very good points in that if we give these things consideration, we can communicate with the employees to explain this is what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. And this is why we think it's good for the business. This is why we think it's good for you. This is why we think it's good for the company. And I think by communicating and trying to engage the employees, I'm sure you'll get some buy-in. I'm sure you'll get some pushback, but at least you'll help establish a relationship and discussion. And it'll give employees the ability to see that they're being engaged and that the businesses care about their position and how they feel. Because the last thing you want to do is to have this become a rallying cry for organizing on the basis that we mandated something that affects their bodies and didn't give consideration to their thoughts and how it would affect them and how they wanted to deal with the issue. Because I, I think if, you know, if employees are reading, you know, the newspaper articles um, and other just online articles about mandatory vaccines, they're, they're going to stumble upon articles that speak to organized labor's position. And they will likely read articles that make it pretty clear, at least from the union perspective, that, you know, these types of policies have to be bargained. Um, and so if they go to work and they're not, they don't have a union and they find out that their employer is, is mandating, uh, you know, vaccines, that could trigger interest in a union, knowing full well that at least from what they've read, you know, unions are able to push back on employers by mandating that that type of policy be negotiated. 
So I, I agree with you. I do think it's a, it could be an organizing tool for, for labor. And speaking of the, the bargaining piece, that's another issue for unionized employers that I think we should talk about. Um, we are just now starting to get requests from some of our clients to give them our analysis of their collective bargaining agreement and an opinion on whether or not they do have a, an obligation to bargain with their labor organization with their unions regarding the company's desire to roll out a mandatory vaccination policy. And so it's important to for employers who, who do have collective bargaining agreements to understand, you know, what are the clauses in your contract that should be analyzed or reviewed before you take a position on whether you have to bargain over that decision or not and what type of effects bargaining may be required and, and what types of subjects would come up during effects bargaining. So I'm in the process right now of evaluating one of my clients' um, collective bargaining agreements to give them an opinion on whether or not the union waived its right to bargain in the contract because of language that essentially says the employer has the right to unilaterally impose uh, reasonable workplace safety and health rules. And if you have that type of language in your collective bargaining agreement, you may be able to take the position that you don't have an obligation to bargain over the decision. Maybe you don't have that type of language in your collective bargaining agreement, but you have an established past practice, which could also create a waiver argument, an established past practice of implementing health and safety rules without bargaining. And whether or not the labor board, I should say, <laughs> will agree with your position is another story altogether, or maybe it's going to be a labor arbitrator and, and not the NLRB necessarily. But in terms of effects bargaining, the types of issues that come up during effects bargaining would be, you know, do the employees get time off to go get vaccinated? Where do they get vaccinated? And what are the consequences for employees refusing to get vaccinated? What are the deadlines? What are the you know, exemptions? So those are all issues that would most likely be discussed as part of your bargaining um, with the union over a mandatory vaccination policy. It, it looks right now as though unions are pretty much divided on this topic of, of mandatory vaccination policies. And I know here in California, there's been a fair amount of outcry in response to the governor's decision to mandate vaccines for state workers and for, you know, healthcare workers. I think in the coming weeks and months, maybe unions will pivot and be more aligned with the idea that employees you know, mandatory vaccination policies are, are appropriate, or maybe they will, you know, reverse course. Uh, maybe it'll stay divided. We're just not really sure at this point. The one thing I think is worthy of consideration hearing what you have to say, Maria, about the bargaining is, <clears throat> as I was listening to you, I realized that maybe I, my position is far more conservative than yours. But, but I, like... I struggle as I've thought through this to see a situation where the mandating of a vaccine was not a mandatory subject of bargaining. 
And I think it's worthy of consideration, even if you do believe that you have a strong argument to be made that the that the bargaining is waived, that because this is so novel and one of a kind, um, that a business give consideration to advancing the waiver argument, but still meeting with meeting with the union and saying, hey, you know what, we'll talk and and tell them advance your waiver argument, bang that drum really loud. But then still say, well, what do you think or what would you like and give it some consideration and and then say, all right, well, we'll circle back with you. So at least you advance your argument and you at least dip your toe in the bargaining so you you can take the position that you've at least done it. And I think that's something worthy of consideration. So that way you might be able to get value out of your waiver argument and obtain your goal without necessarily potentially unnecessarily taking on the risk of a failure to bargain charge. Cause I just think the remedy on that, I could see it getting ugly as, as things um, kind of unravel if you have to fire somebody because they don't get the vaccine or something like that. Before you go on, let me be clear. I'm by no means suggesting most collective bargaining agreements include the right language that would establish unequivocally that a union has waived their right to bargain over mandatory vaccine policies. All I'm saying is it's it's something that employers need to analyze carefully. And depending on the precise language in your CBA, you, you may have the ability to, to take that position. Um, and for some employers, Daniel, and I understand what you're saying, but for some employers, they might feel very strongly about implementing a mandatory vaccination policy and their CBAs may give them that waiver argument um, may give them the right to, to do that. And they simply meet with the union to bargain over the impact. It remains to be seen in each case, obviously, whether or not the employer can make that argument, you know, successfully. But, but I understand there are great, you know, significant risks in taking that position if the facts don't line up, especially if you terminate employees for not getting the vaccine. I can think of a lot of employers that, probably at least have a straight faced argument to advance because a lot of the CBAs that I work with, they have language that says we can implement reasonable safety rules. And so when you're doing this bargaining, I think one of the things that should be considered is with the new FDA approval of the Pfizer vaccine, you know, that kind of gives you a little extra arrow in your quiver to say, Hey, this is FDA approved now, just like any other vaccine or things of that nature. Um, and say, you know, we'll mandate this, but we'll accept anything else. And so those are things to consider because this is like a constantly changing playing field with FDA approvals and and the way information comes out. So it's just, there's a lot to consider and requires constant attention to what's in the news and what's happening as you're bargaining to kind of make sure you best position yourself. Well, I think as, as this develops, over the coming weeks and months, we probably will have, I think, more clear information to share. So it's likely we will want to do another podcast in the near future um, with any developments that that um, result from all of this. So anything else you want to add today? No, I think we kind of, there's a lot to talk about, but I think we touched on some important issues for consideration and just, you know, be advised to stay attentive to what's in the news and what's going on because it's a constantly changing field. 
Thank you for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.